0: Champ, here's the deal, we are the greatest wrestling organization in the world, we want to always give you the best, so tonight, not only is the World Heavyweight Championship on the line, but... match tonight, this is the magnitude, this is how big this is, the loser of this match tonight, leaves WCW forever. <laughs> Nash. <National>. i <laughs> got to give him credit, he's got a lot of going at to come out here to make, he's got a, a big pump. You got. does he realize
1: how much danger he is in just being here? Yeah, God, what? Oh, oh, look at oh, that, look
0: at that! No, 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 right there. It's a gimmick leg! No, 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 I just
1: wiped him out with the bell. The bell sounds. Kevin Nash lives.
0: Well, I guess I wasn't as hurt as I appeared. Make the count. Wait
1: up. He's going. One, two, three. New champion. You champion. Slater's He's gone. No. New champion. No. no. Kevin. Bill, the, just like that. He's gone. gone. He's gone. Kevin's the champion. He's no. gone. No. Your flagship's done. No. Oh, no.
0: Oh, 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 oh. Whoa. 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 Stop. We, a two out of three fall match. What? Notice What is it? It is
1: a... <laughs> Sacrificing herself. Oh, no! He got
0: into the side. Yes. yes, He got yes. Into the that's, cranium that's by a lick. That's That's the champ. Yeah, he, you he, guys are not he, to win a match. He has imagine. regained his composure, as you can see, as all great champions do. Now, he's under control. Oh. The match is in his hands. It,
1: it, 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 God, dead moving. He's dead weight. He got wiped out. <laughs> Making a false count anywhere.
0: One more thing, referee. I forgot. False <laughs> count anywhere in the building. Now get down there and come. We heard Scott Steiner telling that. False. Forgot. One, two, three. All right. That's low. Gotcha. I see some forgetting somebody.
2: <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Wrestling 20 Years Ago podcast. My name is Eric Landstrom, and today we're hopping in the Time Machine back to February of 2001
3: for WCW. Uh,
2: I'm joined by Rory McNamara. Rory, how are you?
3: I'm very well, Eric. I'm on the other side of the table today, but the view seems much the same.
2: And uh, Pete Kimber joining us uh, for another ride in the Time Machine. Pete,
4: welcome back. Thank you very much. Is this a three in a row for me? I've come back for more um, of the same, as Rory just said. Yes.
2: Sure. Uh, we don't necessarily do volumes uh, anymore, but the other show this month, and yes, yeah, sadly, only one other show this month, as I've come to understand, is the WWF volume of the No Way Out pay per view. Um, and that's on the March to WrestleMania 17. No ECW volume this month, which will be addressed on the WWF uh, version. So, to summarize WCW for the month, uh, Scott Steiner is still world champion, and the company is still for sale. So, for Rory McNamara and Pete Kimber... No. Um, <laughs> not not a lot of major news, but a lot of things boiling. Um, so, uh, I joke there, but Rory, let's talk about things. To the headlines, please.
3: And indeed, as this is WCW, it is WCW. So, did you expect this to go smoothly?
2: Right. And Eric Bischoff held a meeting with the talent before the first Nitro of the month to announce that he wanted many of the wrestlers to work on getting into better shape so that they could compete visually with the WWF. And that was about it for that meeting, leaving many of the roster perplexed. It's also been reported that Bischoff has not been in every Nitro since the Fusant purchase was announced. So there's a lot of rumblings backstage about, you know, the wrestlers are feeling uninformed. Um, and on a much larger scale, the Fusion sale has not closed by month's end. Many wrestling and entertainment publications have shifted their reporting in terms of when to if. Still, all formal indications suggest the sale will process by the end of March. There had been a February 28 closing document drafted, but accounting issues triggered additional due diligence obligations, and that optimistic February deadline was pushed to March. Brad Siegel is also said to be investigating contingency plans for the sale with <coughs> Rory, Jerry Jarrett, <coughs> and also uh-huh. the USA Network as possible interested parties. But Time Warner is expected to simply shutter WCW if the Fusion sale fails. It continues. Fusion has been alleged to be delaying the sale to avoid taking the $5 million per month losses WCW is incurring until its April or May relaunch. Time Warner is said to be growing annoyed by Fusian's perceived delay and wants to sell WCW as soon as possible. Time Warner is also expected to decline Fusian's request to move Nitro so that both hours compete with Raw, because Time Warner, it's reported, does not want to set a precedent by acquiescing to Fusian's first major request. One last thing. It's now clear that Siegel announced the WCW sale prematurely, he allegedly announced the deal to make a good impression on, on AOL management and, quote, informed, unquote, source reports the deal wasn't ready for public announcement. The source says Fusion's outlook has changed based on meetings with WCW employees. One says Fusant were living in a dream world but are re- finally realizing the headaches that come along with owning a wrestling company. Other sources believe Fusient is upset with Bischoff for holding back information regarding the inner workings of WCW prior to the announcement of the sale. My goodness.
3: Well, there you are. WCW goes Manhattan, or to hell, or to Las Vegas on May the 6th, apparently.
2: Television is looking to be dark for WCW for at least most of April if the Fusion deal closes. WCW has canceled all arena holds after March 26th and targets May 6th as the official relaunch pay-per-view. We have reached WCW Goes Manhattan numbers of relaunch sequels by now, Uh, but Fusion is intending to rely on the star power and some surprise returns of the likes of Hulk Hogan, Scott Hall, uh, Booker T, who's been on Nitro since this news was announced, uh, Sting, and Goldberg to fuel early shows. Uh, By the month, And uh, by the end of uh, this month, February, it looks like uh, WCW would run a Nitro on April 2nd, which would set up the May 6th pay-per-view about five weeks later.
3: Ace high, Ace low.
2: At that same early February talent meeting, Eric Bischoff confirmed that Johnny Ace is his top lieutenant. On the creative front, Ace, along with Ed Ferrara, Terry Taylor, and Eric Bischoff meet by the pool so to speak, every week to outline shows. Ferrar then fills in the details, formats the shows, and delegates duties to agents Arn Anderson, Nick Patrick, Ricky Santana, and Fit Finley. Ferrara works with the announcers on television, and Taylor works as the intermediary between the truck and the talent. Ace has been called the biggest yes-man in the business by folks backstage in WCW, to which Jim Ross and Bruce Pritchard took great offense. <laughs>
3: comings and goings no line of the women's room edition
2: (laughs) uh well let's start here wrestlers who may or may not have an interest in joining wcw and in whom wcw may or may not have interest in signing include the blue meanie road warrior hawk super crazy kid cash simon diamond road dog steve carino and two indie darlings uh mike modest and christopher daniels and for its part the wwf has made it known that it is less likely to hire ecw talent who court wcw and a uh uh, alert to chris Lacey here you may want to sit down my friend and one thing is now certain backstage in wcw the women's locker room will be a lot roomier tigress paisley daphne leah meow major guns miss jones madasia and miss hancock were all released, or at least reported to be released, by the end of February. Johnny Ace is uh, clearly trying to wipe clean the TNA aspects of Vince Russo's creative vision. Many backstage were annoyed that Medusa was not part of the house cleaning. Good to have friends. Lawsuits are expected based on WCW's widespread releases of female talent.
3: And in proof that... When it comes to writing these headlines, Eric is pushing me all the way with the quality of them. Pee-wee's Big Adventure.
2: When I host, you get legal news. But don't (laughs) fear, it was a rich month in my neck of the woods. On February 6th, a judge heard arguments, not testimony weighed, from lawyers representing 14 former WCW employees and WCW regarding that racial discrimination lawsuit that's been going on for some time. A couple of years now, it feels like. The key deponent of all people was said to be former, and allegedly disgruntled, WCW referee and agent Randy P. Wee Anderson. Amongst the things that Anderson testified, he did not believe black wrestlers were given equal opportunities as white wrestlers at the power plant, He heard Terry Taylor report, quote, that, you know, can't work, end quote. Arn Anderson told Pee Wee that he would not allow a Mexican or a, you know, to ride with him. Trainers Paul Orndorff and Jody Hamilton would use derogatory terms for several minorities and other protected classes. And that black wrestlers were assigned more of the grunt work tasks at the power plant, like putting up rings, moving weights around, and cleaning. Ah, uh, this one's tough. Several witnesses in the discrimination lawsuit allege Ric Flair referred to African Ameri- an African-American flan- fan as a black sambo. You can look that up. And... Perhaps most concerningly, the EEOC, which is the Equal Opportunity Employment Commission, is investigating whether white wrestlers were paid more than minority wrestlers for similar work. Apparently, WCW put up a fight about sending the EEOC the information it requested, but has since complied. One source says he believes the independent contractor debate could turn out to be a bigger story than Ono's racial, discrimina- racial discrimination lawsuit. The source says, quote, if the EEOC steps in, then the IRS, Internal Revenue Service, will be right behind them. Although at press time, it's unclear whether Mike Rotunda remains under (laughs) WCW contract. Some low-hanging fruit there, but clearly a lot of issues here. Well, that's a lot of news, um, and I'll just turn it over. Let's stick to the sale news for now. Pete, uh, month three with us here. Uh, sale news it looks like bischoff is still floating around but nothing has closed and there's really not a lot of firm plans are we ever going to get through this
4: i think as we we've gone along we've we've speculated we've we've hoped but it does sound once they start to dig into the the finances and the uh the paperwork hidden in the drawer in someone's office it's looking a bit more i don't know shadier and i don't know I, i sense that It's only going to go one way, potentially, unless they can pull something out of the fire. But to lose $5 million a month, you can appreciate why they want to get this done as quick as possible and save themselves a good, what, $10 before they get it done for for April. But, yeah, it worries me what's been said this month. I think it worried us probably last month and even probably in um, December as well, I'd imagine. But, yeah, I think there's a lot going on in the background that Eric's tried to sort of hide and put his... uh, White smiley mm. spin on it, but I don't. I don't know what's going to happen. But if the finances don't work out, it, it, there is a there is an issue. But then there was a contingency plan with, as you said, um, Mr. Jarrett or uh, who else you said was it Jarrett and the USA Network potentially yeah. maybe right. stepping in as the uh, I don't know the heroes of the day. But it's all just creeping to. Let's hope they can find something and 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 do something. But There's bigger plans they're making for the future, which is a good sign. You know, they've they've got plans to have this potential shut down. And Eric's really thinking about how they're going to relaunch and what he's going to do with WCW. And there's lots of things happening. So it's like, yeah, yeah, he hasn't given up. And clearly he won't do until he gets told no or something else happens. So I guess we sit here and wait on our hands again until next month. March will be, I'd imagine, critical to this whole thing.
2: Yeah, it sounds like it sounds like the, you know, for whom the bell tolls and that bell tolls at the end of March. uh, That's kind of been the drop dead date, regardless of how how many kind of interim dates there have been. So we'll see. Rory, any of that and and, and more on the creative side, it struck me that if, if they're just trying to hot shot a bunch of guys back to television, that Bischoff might just be. You know hot shutting himself out of creative ideas again like we saw with the nwo so anything pete commented on and, and, and thoughts on the creative if this all does go to plan
3: yeah first off wcw on usa network hmm. you might want to send that looking glass back to the store there alice <laughs> I feel like once a month we have one real, as people would say, pie in the sky idea. And I think that's the one. But hey, if Jerry Jarrett is still sniffing around, then maybe USA Network are a slightly better option. This is where we are. Yeah, it is, as we say over here, squeaky bum time for WCW, isn't it? I was, I'm I'm going to use that word, I was hoping that it would be as good as sorted by now. But very last week in January, when we were sifting through the news to talk about then, I dropped this one in that, they were going to need six weeks to go in, see the books, complete all the due diligence, etc., etc. And six weeks is a long time in this regard. I've read that our friends from Price Waterhouse Coopers are now doing their stuff, and I'm sure, knowing PwC like I do, that doesn't just mean them walking up and down corridors with laptops in their hands, looking annoyed. Not anything like it. So I'm sure they must be very busy now as well. It. Did I expect this or did I not expect this? I. Didn't want to, but when it's being stated every single week in all the sheets and it's being given a couple more words, a couple more lines, a couple more paragraphs, even a couple more pages each time that this could end with out and out closure for the company in 34 days as we record this, then that's got to hit home. Somebody's going to have to make a move here because shit or bust, I think, is the relevant description. As far as creative, if there is anything to create, it's the same as last month. The names that keep being bandied about are not the answer. Eric Bischoff believes they are the answer. That was the problem last month. It became a very big problem four years ago. And look where we are now. So I will talk about him again in a second. But he's deferred a lot of the issues to Johnny Ace, who up until this month for me was just the least punchable member of the dynamic dudes rub your head around that one if you can and now he's the go-to guy in the back for wcw i don't even think it's a case of the inmates running the asylum anymore that's a far too much of a <laughs> far too brief way to put it i would say now to be honest i have no idea what's going on there behind the curtain i don't think anybody does i think you can probably tell by my tone and the words i'm selecting here that we're all just wait, wait and see. I've been saying that every month since October. And yes, I give plenty of apologies for saying it. But now I think we, re- we really are getting dangerously close. And I mean dangerously close to brass tacks here.
2: Yeah, you know, we're a news show and we just report the news. And the problem is this this news has moved incrementally forward and equivalent, equivalently in reverse since about uh, October. And I think we've inched forward to the precipice of something, but if it's not fusion, then my big concern is that WCW has been pretty clear. They're just going to close the damn thing down. Then there's going to be this vacuum of, of uh, wrestling talent and no work. Um, And the WWF has already said they're not interested in either of the WCW or the ECW talent uh, if they co-mingle. So uh, This really is very, extremely concerning.
3: If I'm reading this correctly, correctly, Time Warner, for it is they, just want this one done one way or the other. And if I'm looking at this the way I think I am, increasingly looking like the other.
2: Uh, Yeah, it it looks like the edict that's been given is if we get to April, WCW will not be a part of our portfolio.
3: Mm. Isn't that incredible just to think about?
4: pete hello anything but equally, anything there
3: equally
4: as equally as concerning if they do get a yes by the grace of whatever god bischoff's praying to every night at the moment what's he going to do <clears throat> we've already said that he's going to bring back you know beloved hulk and you know all these guys but and and you know he's looking for a concept like the nwo to relaunch but you know, I think he's proved that you know, 99 and 2000 didn't go very well, did it, Eric? And you lost a hell of a lot of money in those two years. So if we do get a yes, are we really that confident that whoever takes over and runs, if it is Fusion, are they going to really accept losing what 60 million, 70, 80 million dollars a year on Eric Bischoff's product? That you know, if he's going back to the tried and tried and tested that failed, it's equally as worrying. So if it's a no, it's a no. But if it's a yes. You know, that's going to be equally as interesting. And, and what's he going to do? Are we just going to see Hulk Ryder back in the red and yellow and Goldberg reappears and rehash it all again? And are the fans going to want to watch that again? It, it's just, it's all massively concerning, isn't it? All the way around, I think. Massively concerning. Extremely. And Rory, on this
2: issue specifically, so we have Johnny Ace coming in. We know your feelings on his former tag team partner. I mean, I, I count myself a pretty in-the-know fan, and I don't know very much about this guy at all other than he's World War Animals' brother. Uh, but he sure seems to have come in and been given an extremely high amount of power at a very critical time uh, for WCW. And one of the things that he's doing is just cleaning house in the locker room, in particular on one side of the locker room, with about eight of the regular female talent just being summarily dismissed by the end of the month. Um, so thoughts on any of that, and and... Uh, kind of this roster reformation on the fly um, before we get into the uh, Randy Anderson news.
3: Yeah, Johnny Ace, my knowledge, is rather slim as well, it must be said. Other than the Dynamic Dudes, he's a character you can play right from the start on Virtual Pro Wrestling 2. If you have the imported version for the N64, you might need to bash your slot around a bit to make the cartridge fit. But it's fantastic. It's WWE versus NWL World, World Tour times 100. So do check it out if you can. He's the guy who has Feel the Power written on his shirt, if you couldn't remember that. That's pretty much all I know. I haven't closely followed his Japanese work other than that. Uh, Yes, he's been afforded this huge role almost out of nowhere. And he's he's been sniffing around for a few months. His name has been dropped in here and there. We mentioned him last month, that he was the person in his clear, obvious, infinite wisdom who decided that Sid should try and move off the second rope in the main event of last month's pay-per-view and the results there rather speak for themselves no uh, this is the genius that we're dealing with okay yet another one i will believe it when i see it assuming i get the chance to the list of potential names coming in that you mentioned there eric and you compare those with the list of names who we either haven't seen for a very long time will not be seeing again for one reason or another it's rather skewed heavily in another direction. I don't think it's a great look getting rid of seven or eight women from your roster, all of whom have been had fairly prominent roles. I mean, every name you mention there, I could list off something they've been involved in in the last one or two months at least. And they're all, they've all just been uh, told to hit the bricks. It's, it all gives the impression of some kind of great reset, whether that's going to be at the start of April or whatever. With Johnny Ace supposedly at the helm for it and people like Nick Patrick making the coffee <laughs> for him. I just, that doesn't look like a sound business structure to me. And it really is not even a case of all the eggs in one basket. There's one left and it's already a little bit cracked and the yolk is seeping out the bottom. And if all you're left is with egg white, you can only make a meringue. And let's face it, meringue's not very tasty
2: no. And, and one of the things that struck me about basically everybody on that list, uh, let's run through it again, Tigress, Paisley, Daphne, Leia Meow, Major Guns, Miss Jones, Medeja, and Miss Hancock, uh, they've all gotten much better. Like They're all f- perfectly suited for their roles in, in, in one aspect or another. Now, there are some overt TNA aspects uh, associated with them that I think you know, have become overplayed, but I don't think WCW was I, – I think a lot of these – uh, a lot of these uh, folks were in really solid positions to add support and, and, and play critical roles. Pete, am I overstating this here? Or was this a little bit reactive on WCW's part? Because I feel like a lot of these gals were were, were were playing critical roles.
4: I think you're right. And I think, obviously, people were obviously saying it's Vince Russo's kind of idea that, you know, sports entertainment should have that TNA aspect and the, the female valet or, you know, whether the cat fight appears every week on Nitro or on a pay-per-view. But as you say, lots of the, the people here have moved on. You uh, Look at Miss Jones with, you know, with the cat as an example. Yeah, that, that's a double act, isn't it? That's a, that they come together as a package. They are part of it. Whether you there's talent there or not, that is, they, they developed that, that that coordination together and they came together and now she's just not there. There's no, I mean, think they, they, they have a few injury angles to write off a couple of people, I think, on the Nitro, isn't they, just to kind of move them aside, but I think a lot of them have done enough not to be deserved to, to be a part of this cull, and it was the only real colour as well, wasn't it, This in this period, just to get rid of all of them and leaving Medusa, who I'm not even sure we've seen. I know you mentioned that bit of backstage um, uh, swagger there, probably for her, but I just think it was a poorly, poorly done, and you mentioned the word lawsuit, that is that discrimination against the fact that um, yeah, you know, are they just cannon fodder just to get rid of? I think it's a real shame. I think they're not just sat, stood there as, as I can, they, they are actually getting involved and playing a part in storylines, and they have done done their thing. So yeah, I think we've they've definitely made a, a bit of an error. Maybe a few of them could have been let go, like Miss Hancock potentially, um, Daphne, because Crowbar's in and out. But you know, Major Guns with Team Canada, Miss Jones, these kind of people have been around and playing their part. So. Yeah, I think it's a it's a real misstep.
2: Well, it just it just strikes me as super short sighted to release you know such a you know an obvious section of your roster that probably doesn't amount all of them added together to one third of what somebody like there's probably still paying Scott Hall uh, or, or or some of these guys who have been sent home like your Sting or your Hogan or you know however um, so you're not saving all that much money and you're making it over you know. Act towards you know an argument that can be made that this is discriminatory against the, the female wrestlers of your uh, wrestlers on your roster. Uh, you're not supposed to do stuff like this uh, when you're trying to sell a company because what you create is more controversy and the threat of uh, additional legal issues. And, and the legal issues that WCW is already facing, Rory, are uh, have gone from you know the realm of legal to the realm of moral and ethically concerning as to what's going on backstage in WCW and perhaps shining this you know much-needed light on what professional wrestling still really is like. And, and we heard it uh, pres- uh, from the horse's mouth this month, I guess, from Pee Wee Anderson, who does have an axe to grind against WCW. I think that's pretty clear, but that doesn't mean that what he's saying isn't true. Uh, very, very concerning uh, information about a lot of folks, particularly for me, Arn Anderson, Ric Flair. Um, I guess the overall vibe of the power plant with with this uh these racial issues Roy, i just pick up on any of that and, and what caught your ear and and gosh this this seems like a a, a much bigger issue than some of even the bookkeeping uh and, and the roster decisions as far as wcw's future if i'm an outside company looking in
3: yeah terrible news to have to report at absolutely the worst time he says as if there's ever a good time to read about this kind of thing yeah but uh, if what Randy Anderson's saying is to be believed, then it paints a very, very grim picture indeed. And I'm sure there will be some people out there saying that, oh, what do you expect? Randy Anderson, disgruntled ex employee, trying to make a name for himself, etc. etc, etc. Well, just see what's there on the printed page in front of you. See the things he alleges that Arn Anderson, Arn Anderson, has supposedly said. Cool, that one hit hard, I tell you. Rick Flair, Paul Orndorff, And there are precedents here if you know where to look for them, with those two especially. I mean, as you do, just a couple of weeks ago, I managed to get hold of a tape of Mid-South Wrestling from November 1985. And I was watching that, and Ric Flair was challenging Butch Reed. And I'm going to use the phrase, I have to, I'm afraid, called him a monkey on air. And nobody batted an eyelid. And yes, with this being Mid-South, You could turn around and say that promo was scripted for him by somebody else. But nevertheless, it was said and nobody, not even, even Reed himself wasn't allowed to respond to that. I mean, really? And of course, Paul Orndorff, if you've watched the unedited version of WrestleMania 2, you will see what that hot baby face does in his match against Don Morocco when Mr. Fuji is walking around outside, etc., etc. So I can, you know, when those names came up, I was hugely disappointed but i wouldn't say i was necessarily surprised by it arn anderson if what he said about the people he liked to travel with is to be believed then that one was a stake through my heart quite frankly i remember when Arn retired in the summer of 97 and our own bob bamba said and his words were if i were a pro wrestler, I would like to be on Anderson, And I was on that show with him and I entirely endorsed those comments. And now we hear that he doesn't like traveling with Mexicans or another derogatory term that I'm definitely not going to mention on the air. So it's one of those where, and obviously Eric, you know better than I do, this is all just being put forward in front of a court. We don't know what the outcome is going to be. These are still allegations, etc. But when it's this sort of thing i am very much in the no smoke without fire school and it's it was desperate stuff to read and i do hope that it all turns out to be utter hokum but there're just too many examples too many people too many situations and knowing what we know about the CD underbelly of the pro wrestling business especially people like the names we've mentioned who have been round the block a few times As much as I don't want to, I really can believe it.
2: And from the perspective of an outside investor, a rich millionaire uh, versed in typical dealings, you know, uh, as aggressive and uh, sometimes underhanded as they can be in the realm of, you know, quote unquote, real sports like the ESPN Classic guys who are with Bischoff. You come into a world like this, and I just wonder what it looks like from an outside person who's signing the checks. Uh, Pete, anything on uh, this uh, Pee Wee Anderson news uh, and pick up on anything
4: uh, that Rory said to bring us home on the news here? Well, it's just a could potentially be a massive PR disaster, isn't it? At uh, just the wrong time, you know, these things are, are creeping back out, and you know, lawsuits are there. Uh, they've never been around for a little while, but they're not going to go away, are they? Clearly, that they're, they're there and they're there to stay. With, uh, WCW is around or not there's still you know testimony there's still stuff happening and lawyers are, are present it's just you know at this moment in time you know this is the last thing that needed to be in there and out amongst the you know the press and the and the papers all over the country and but like Rory said it's not that hard to believe when you look at the names involved and and the previous so that's also very sad um, it's just all it's just really sad isn't it it's just massively just goes against everything that's that's they're trying to to build when they've got a potential history of discrimination against you know it's, it's different you know races and everything around the around america i think you, you can almost imagine wcw just suddenly just firing booker t and the cat and elix skipper and then not not realizing what they've just done when you know they get rid of the women in one 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 thread and then next week i'll tell you what Let's just get rid of those guys and not think that anyone's gonna bat an eyelid about it. And it's just, you know people will talk, won't they? And Randy and, and Randy Anderson's obviously got an axe to grind, but I can believe what he says. That's the thing, isn't it? You can almost believe exactly what he's saying and the names that he's brought out. So and there's no smoke without fire. So it's just a terrible timing, terrible PR and you do wonder and it won't pay a massive part in probably what happens by March, but some people are gonna be going, hmm. What, what are we what are we buying into here? What culture? What kind of you know credence are these guys and and who we're we working with? So, it's just all really sad and really worrying again. And,
2: and so we come out of the news. You know, our, our Nitro report this month basically is the shows are adequate, and the storylines are generally more comprehensible than we come to expect from WCW. And uh, Rick Flair has been especially, you know, we talk about Ric Flair now, uh, but he has been trying his best on screen to infuse energy and, uh, for lack of a better term, spunk into these shows. Uh, but it's very clear when you watch the Nitros and the shows uh, that WCW is spinning its wheels creatively until the ownership question is resolved. So on that, we'll jump right to Super Brawl Revenge, which occurred on February the 18th. And, Pete, I believe you have the results for us.
4: I do indeed. Uh, Shane Helms, who replaced... I've almost forgotten now. Who do you replace? Kidman, apologies, at the start. Defeated Evan Courageous, Kaz Hayashi, Jamie Noble, Shannon Moore, and Young Yang in a six-man elimination match to get a a shot at the Cruiserweight title. Hugh Morris defeated The Wall. Sean O'Hare and Chuck Palumbo defeated Mark Jim. Jack and Sean Stasiak to retain the WCW World Tag Team Championship. Chavo Guerrero Jr. defeated Rey Mysterio to also retain his Cruiserweight Championship. Rick Steiner defeated Dustin Rose to also retain the United States Heavyweight Championship. Uh, Totally Buff defeated Chronic slash Brian Adams slash Michael Awesome in a handicap match or in a match. We'll get to that or not, as the case may be. Um, Ernest Miller defeated Lance Storm to get the WCW commissioner position back. Uh, Chris Canyon defeated Diamond Dallas Page in an impromptu match, which we'll probably talk about. And then Diamond Dallas Page defeated Jeff Jarrett in a singles match straight after. And Scott Steiner defeated Kevin Nash in a two out of three falls, inverted commas, loser leaves wcw match and also retained his world heavyweight title that was a tough read thank
2: you pete oh sorry yeah there we are thank you pete and uh and one thing you can't say is that WCW isn't using uh, a good portion of its uh, active talent roster on a lot of these shows. So Rory, before we come to you, some stats on the show. The uh, Nashville uh, Tennessee Municipal Auditorium capacity 8,000 to 9,700 depending on configuration. Uh here we had paid 4,395. There have been a lot of uh, recent, relatively recent shows at this uh, municipal auditorium. So just just for comparison to see where WCW is right now. Uh, to WrestleWar '89 that had 5,200 in your house too. Of course, Spend My Day uh, 6,500, and then Starcade '94, '95, and '96 all ranged between 8,000 and 9,000 here. So 4,395 certainly down from prior years. Uh, Rory, uh, thoughts on your uh, thoughts on the show kind of through the Miller Storm uh, match uh, until we saw
3: DDP. Yeah, see, for me at the moment and ever since October and until who knows when, I'm really treating WCW pay-per-views as non-canonical effectively. We all know we're just waiting out until the storylines can properly be written and we have the reset and we start again properly. So because of that, I'm being a little kinder on these shows than I probably should be. I mean, all my recent grades, I think, since we amended the show to account for what is happening or not happening, have all been in that mid four to six range. And sorry to bore the listeners, as if, but I feel like we're going to be getting to a very similar score again here in about 30, 40 minutes time. This was a show I threw on to review and watch. And because in the grandest of grand scheme of things, again, the real story is happening behind the curtain, I was able to enjoy it. It was like, I don't know, throwing on Survivor Series eighty seven on a random Saturday or something. There you go. In joke everybody. But let's go through the cards so we've got so far until the Survivor Series eighty seven is good, by the way, Pete. Remember that. Let's go through the cards so far. So we started with a six man elimination match, which probably a wise choice to start off all of these people in the shop window apparently that should be taken bold italic and underlined apparently eric bischoff will be looking to really revamp reboot the cruiserweight division he's very impressed with some of the guys on the roster at the moment i still think he sees them as a convenience rather than anything else but again all up in the air pun intended everybody here looked good especially helms he's got that hybrid style down i think high flyer and inching towards semi main event main event style although he's never actually going to get to semi main event main event status needless to say he balances out really well and his finisher is probably the most lethal in the game call it the vertebreaker. oh There's no giving that one whatsoever. He can't even see what he's doing. And there aren't many finishing moves in pro wrestling where that happens. So anybody who takes that's got to have quite a lot of trust in the man. But he manages to work safe as well, which is a good combination. Really enjoyed that. A little long at 17 minutes, but it meant everybody got a chance to show their flips and dips. Nothing wrong with that at all. Hugh Morris versus the wall. Uh, Hugh, (laughs) as they all look, he's got to talk about the wall again. I thought this was all right too, actually. Hugh Morris showed his intensity a little synthetic it might have been but the effort was there in his pre-match interview just under 10 minutes probably pushing it this time but the right results uh Sean O'Hare and Chuck Palombo versus Sean O'Hare and Chuck Palombo oh sorry no Mark Jindrak and Sean Stasiak versus Mark Jindrak and Sean Stasiak was what it was it's I I did feel like I was watching something else for those 11 and a half minutes sort of thing you'd find on another channel. Maybe I just cannot cannot and will not see why the power plant is so venerated if it is now continuing to churn out such production line people as these. If I was an impolite person and you all know me well enough to know that I'm not, I would just call these four meatheads. So let's just move on.
2: The generic six foot seven monster factory that Bob Amber uh, offered us back in May <laughs> continues to apply.
3: Terrifyingly accurate. Chavo Guerrero Jr. versus Rey Mysterio Jr. I was disappointed with the finish here. Yes, here I am in early 2001 WCW. The company might not exist by the time our next show goes out, and I'm still disappointed about who goes over in mid card matches. I still care, dammit. I still care. I'm sorry. It's a weakness. Because Chavo. To use a line I've used before on these programs, and I might not get another chance, is either the most boring, interesting wrestler or the most interesting, boring wrestler I've ever seen. I'm still not quite sure. He's got everything he should have, but I just can't with everything he does. Ray is Ray. I feel like it's been a long time since we've seen him, even though it isn't. He gave Charbo a great match here. Pretty much on the defensive most of it as well, which Ray that I found interesting. I don't remember a whole lot of Ray offensive stuff here. It's said that he does something new every match he's in. I think he's making us making us wait for a couple of months until he gives us something else new. Cause he was he was reining it in here, but at the same time I was rather pleased to see it. A lot of people when they're talking about Ray, even largely supporters, have him down as just a spot monkey when he is anything but he is an all rounder in the truest sense of the word, And I think it was able to show that here still should have won uh, Rick Steiner versus Dustin Rhodes felt like a bit of a throwback match. As long as road warrior animal is still knocking around, Rick Steiner will never be the biggest anachronism on the WCW roster, but he runs it dangerously close, uh, totally buffed in the handicap match against Brian Adams. I mean, what is Luger these days? I mean, Lex Luger is a, apparently he's a man United fan and one thing we say in this country there are a lot of plastic man united fans out there they just follow them because they're the big team and it's easy to do and they win everything Luger looked plastic here in another way shape or form as well which is a worry he is utterly misshapen and um, it but nobody <laughs> I mean, is going Nobody is going to tell him that. He's probably even being assisted. It looks like a rhombus for crying out loud. So I suppose it isn't entirely misshapen. So there you go. It's something that can be taught in kindergarten. Uh, Somebody needs to tell him to ease off because let's face it, it might well be he's doing it for no real reason anyway. I don't see him ending up north anytime soon. And just to finish up our monthly match for the position of WCW commissioner, Lance Storm, when he was brandishing the clipboard earlier in the program, I thought "Hmm, this is quite a natural fit for him. Maybe he can be a bit of an all-rounder as well. And they call him boring. But once again, Ernest Miller gets the win in the commissioner match with his kicks, kicks and kicks. Probably the last time we're going to see Miss Jones as well. But Miller has got a connection with the crowd. Maybe it's a little bit of the nuisance value he brings. Somebody call my mama and all of that. I saw a few signs in the crowd that stated that very legends, but he's got something there. And that will bring us up to the matches we're going to look at in a bit more detail, but I wouldn't quite go as far to call this a smorgasbord or a veritable something for everyone, but there was enough variety here to just about keep me interested. But like I say, at the moment for WCW pay-per-views, I'm letting myself be interested. When they really have to work for my attention, then we'll see.
2: Yeah, Lex Luger, that uh, King Kong Bundy cardio program is not working out (laughs) too well for him these days. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Pete, your thoughts on everything uh, through the commissioner,
4: Yeah I think Rory makes a good point around the the, the ratings for the shows that they've not they've and maybe we are giving them a bit of a an easy time with what's going on but in all fairness you know the workers are doing their damnness to put on half decent shows in a time of such uncertainty so I'll give them a lot of credit for you know going out there and they're not just phoning in some of them obviously are we'll probably get to that towards the end but um, this felt like a bit of a a showcase for for the cruiserweight guys to really you know share I mean, you've got eight cruiserweights really out there you know, on tonight's show who've who've really entertained us for you know a good half an hour 35 minutes of this show and the opener was I think nearly 20 minutes maybe a bit too long and I think if uh, Jimmy Yang had got his working boots on and stopped trying to make as that many mistakes as he was going along with the the kicks never landed and just Falling over all all over the place, bless him. He had a bit of a rough night, and I think he got quickly uh, Tombstone Mile Drivered out of it by Jamie Noble, and got booed out of the ring. I think he was quite glad to get out of the ring quick as he could. I think, but yeah, I I quite enjoyed that. Just to sit back, it reminded me kind of you know the old Nitro opening match or the the cruiserweight laden NitrOs uh, of, of the past, where you know lots going on, you know the guys really giving it their all. So I give those guys a lot of credit, and I think you're right about. Helms, I think there's something there it's just, there's something there for him to actually be in going forward, I guess time will only tell Um, Humorous from the wall yeah, you know, that's a Nitro match didn't really do a lot for me, but I think Humorous won, which is the right result but he's completely lost his his way, now he hasn't got the misfits and that gimmick appears to have gone and that little faction, so he's a little bit lost in in this big shuffle that's going on right now, the tag team match, yeah, I (laughs) think I like Rory's Chuck Palumbo and Shauna Hair versus Chuck Palumbo and Shauna Hair because it's just copy and paste. And why they allow these guys to go on the mic so much, I don't know. Because you know they're you know the power plant wrestlers and the power plant on on the mic as well. They 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 haven't got that craft. They're not you know Dusty Rose or Ric Flair. Um, they made probably Luger look semi decent tonight. And Luger when he got on the mic at the start of his match was woeful. So. These guys need to stay away from, from, from the mic. Um, no big surprises there. Chavo, sorry, Chavo, Chavo Guerrero and Rey, Rey Mysterio. I think Chavo massively outshone Ray, and Rory's right about him being on the front foot and Ray being on the back foot, which was a nice surprise. I think it was a real showcase for, for Chavo to, to really put a, a marker out there. And I think he's associated with flair and, and that, that side of it, which is, can only be a good thing in WCW world, whatever that means. Um, so I quite enjoyed that match. Um, Rick Steiner and Dustin Rhodes. Wow. Um, I think there's been a lot of talk about Rick Steiner this week in, in some of the, some of the, the, the press that, you know, unmotivated and not really willing to do a great deal. I think Dustin clearly wants to, to do some good stuff, but not against Rick Steiner. No big surprise. He didn't get the win there. um, and totally buff. I think the Mike Orson thing, I think if I watched it, you know, we just sat back and took it in. Yeah. Mike Orson did quite a good job imitating Brian Clark, I suppose with, with the, uh, the stick on Tash and the, uh, and beard. But I mean, the, the, is it the, um, what's Buff Bagwell's finisher? I can't remember what it's called now. Blockbuster. The, blockbuster. The slow motion on that. Just just defies belief that's a finishing move. It's just he almost slips off the guy's head and they have to land and do a back bump and then and take a pin. It was just you know it was about six minutes and that's all we could stand. I think of this this whole scenario. Um, and again, that the, the switch of room between commissioners is getting a little bit tiresome. The cat I think is popular. I don't think he's great on the mic either. I think he's a bit generic and a bit. But I guess the fans like a bit of a dance and a boogie and he says a few few funny things to to people he's against. Lance Dom I think is wasted. I think he is a very very good technical wrestler but I don't think technical wrestler in WCW right now is where it's at but who's to say what happens moving forward maybe. Maybe he's somebody they can really get behind and and build something uh, going forward. Um, That takes us to where we need to be I think. So yeah overall I think it's been pretty standard these last kind of three or four shows we've got to this point and kind of gone yeah it's been okay nothing offensive nothing absolutely you know wow but just you know okay
2: right and i think what's what's clear to be said about wcw the past few months is that there is something for every wrestling fan on every show it may not be the best thing for your type of fandom uh, on every show but if you like the cruisers you've got the cruisers if you like the flips, you've got the flips. If you like the big guys, you've got the big guys. Names, storylines, a little bit of comedy here and there. Um, and then the main events have that classic WCW uh, overbooking as well, which we'll get to. Um, I thought the show was, was pretty good. Um, the opening match, just not for me. I, I've been very clear over my many years on this show that this type of wrestling just does not... Keep me engaged. This was a lot of wrestling for 20 minutes. I I felt myself getting numbed to it after a while. Um, Clearly a lot of talent in this match. I just wish they would slow down and use a a little psychology. Um, You know who from you know which uh, wrestling uh, newsletter gave this match four stars, which I really question. Get get it, Eric.
3: He gave this match four stars.
2: (laughs) Um, Hugh Morris, uh, defeated the wall, uh, in a match that I'm sure Bob Bamber and I like discordantly with the rest of the wrestling fandom. Uh, but the one thing that drives me crazy about Hugh is his moonsault. Just half the time, just completely misses. And here he at least went back up and hit it after he got the three off the missed one. Uh, so they had the, a good replay. Uh, Pete, you mentioned, uh, Palumbo and O'Hare and Jindrak and Stasiak, uh, all talking and they each need spokespeople. Managers have value for young teams, um, and they just released a whole bunch of, of, of uh, women wrestling talent, most of whom are pretty decent on the mic, um, or at least can can add some je ne sais quoi to teams like this. Um, so I, I think it's unfortunate that these uh, four young men are being asked to handle the verbal tasks. Uh, that's not what young wrestlers who are body guys are supposed to do historically. So these guys are asked to be are asked to be doing too much too soon. I did find Sean O'Hare to be the standout here. Uh, If there is one person to rise uh, from this group of kind of generic six, seven big men, uh, I think it's going to be him. We'll we'll see how that goes. Uh, I noted that uh, Dustin Rhodes looks like he just won salesman of the month that he used truck dealership in Austin, Texas. Um, um, I thought Chavo and Ray was okay. Uh, We've seen it before. I thought it was a little bit long. Um, You know, these ropes tonight must have been slick because we saw a whole bunch of slips uh, in the opening match and Ray messed up a springboard here at a critical time. Ray's one of the best in the world, so he smartly sold his knee, but it was a slip. It was a mistake. Ray just knew how to sell it. And this crowd was not an ECW crowd, so they were able to fight through it. Um, I did note that Chavo is going to get a nasty review from You Know Who for doing a rest hold in a cruiserweight match. Um, One thing I wanted to think about here Uh, guys is should wcw consider weight classes they have a lot of really small guys like we saw in that opening match and then guys like chavo who are kind of light heavyweights so maybe 195 for cruiser 196 to 225 for light heavyweight and 226 plus for heavyweight with the us tv and tag open to all weight classes and then just do a boxing model where you treat each class as prestigious i think we have a lot of small wrestlers right now especially in wcw I don't know if it's helpful to them to put them up against the bigger guys if you're going to try to elevate the young talent, which tends to be small. So that's something to think about. Steiner and Rhodes was fine. Um, Dustin does not look good in the ring, and Rick looks worse than ever. Um, Probably good they're in the ring together so that when one of them gets hurt, it's not somebody of any value to WCW. Uh, And Same with Totally Buff. Uh, versus uh, what turned out to be brian adams um one thing that was very clear to me is that luger takes every shortcut Uh, you don't have to be a super learned fan to look at luger not follow through on anything he does in the ring it's it's distracting and luger is i think luger was criminally underrated uh, in 96 97 i think he was uh, kind of a sneaky mvp uh, for wcw throughout that time uh, or one of them he was critical and he's not critical anymore. He has lost all of that. Um, and if he's to be a part of this company moving forward credibly, he needs to find it again. And then I agree with everybody on the Ernest Miller and Lance Storm Match. I think Miller's fine. He has value, but I think he's mismatched with Lance Storm, who I do think is more than the boring in-ring technical worker that we've been sold that he is. I think he's good as the commissioner. I think he has a strong voice, and he knows exactly who he is. But I would like to see him in higher-profile matches uh, against non-gimmick wrestlers like like Miller, who has a place on the card completely, but not necessarily in this high-profile of a role. And it's semi-main event time. Or is it? So Diamond Dallas Page has been feuding with Jeff Jarrett. And so this is supposed to be next, Jeff Jarrett versus DDP. But Jeff Jarrett is out, and he has something to say. DDP did challenge Canyon to a fight anywhere, anytime earlier this month on TV. So it's DDP versus Canyon first. Canyon sneaks out from underneath the ring, and it's the bell. They scrap, and DDP lobs Canyon over the top and into the guardrail. Two matches in one night, so DDP must have started drafting these in August. Back in the ring, DDP gives 10 in the corner, and he's interrupted by a low blow. Uh, Nash isn't here yet, Uh, we learn on commentary, so the main event is in danger. Nash was also taken out on TV. Uh, Back outside to the match, and Paige hits the guardrail. Canyon gives DDP a rocker dropper into the stairs, and the announcers sell that concern voice. Uh, Second rope suplex uh, that Canyon uses. It was impressive the first time you saw it. uh, Nets Chris a two. Uh, Tony reminds us when Canyon fell off the ready-to-rumble cage, as if that was something we needed to remember. Um, Lovely northern right suplex gets Canyon a two. DDP is busted open, and I didn't notice a blade job necessarily. Uh, a double clothesline and they're both up by ten. Page gets a rock's bo- rock bottom for two. Uh, a Yuranagi. They trade near falls. Canyon counters the his own cut. Uh, the di- Canyon counters the diamond cutter with a low blow and a cutter of his own gets a two. And here's double J and the referee goes down at the same time. Jarrett gets the stroke on DDP. Canyon hits the flatliner. The referee's there, and Canyon gets the three over Diamond Dallas Page in eight fifteen. Pete, DDP versus Canyon, surprise match, surprise finish.
4: It was definitely a surprise finish. Um, you made a great point there about how this match was laid out. You can imagine um, this was uh, meticulously drawn out by uh, Mister DDP with uh, with Christopher for quite a while. You can imagine getting it all sorted out. Um, I think Canyon's got lots of lots of big moves, and I think he's got a a, a lot to to offer. Um, and DDP's obviously got enough work rate when motivated to make a, a decent match. I think it was fairly short in that sense. I think that actually helped. Just about sort of seven, seven, eight minutes, which was probably about right for these two. Bear in mind what was to come after. Um, I think the, uh, the, the 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 feigning of the uh, the shot to the stairs with the commentator seemed like he was. He was going to be dead, or you know, the guy's busted wide open. But we didn't really get a chance to see the the the, the, the blood or what had really happened for quite a while. Um, I quite liked um, some of the moves back and forth between them, um, some of the counters for for the for the cutters, as I guess you call the the match of the cutters here with the Canyon Cutter and the Diamond Cutter. Um, inevitably and obviously, Jarrett was going to show up, and the referee has to obviously go down. And even though there were two low blows, there was obviously not going to be a DQ in a WCW match, and obviously Jarrett's going to get his his way over DDP. So I think you could have almost could have read this from the very beginning. But for the eight minutes, we saw sort of think there was enough in there to to give it some props, and I think it was it was probably may have been better than having a Jarrett DDP match. But you know, who am I to say that?
2: Well, it's definitely better than a. 17-minute Jarrett DDP match, um, which appears to be what may have been slotted here. Uh, Rory, uh, semi-main event part 1A, DDP versus Chris Canyon, your thoughts?
3: Yeah, that took a lot of saying, didn't it? (laughs) Semi-main event 1A, and Chris Canyon in there as well. No, I don't mean to be cruel to Canyon. I'm a fan of his and have been for a good three and a half years. As Pete alluded to there, he's got quite the move set on him. I feel here he was reining himself in a little bit on that score you think being in there with his real life friend and how closely DDP plans his matches as I think we might have already made reference to today that Paige would have said sure why not fling me around in the way only you can that didn't really happen here and I think that's why my enjoyment of this match in its own right was affected slightly I was waiting for Canyon to really be able to cut loose and other than uh, the big suplex wasn't really on show here even at his best and ddp was at his best in 1997 make no mistake p for that year for a reason before he the high contention he got for that award but yeah, even at his best ddp was 30 percent in ring ability and i'm probably just letting my kindness run wild there 70 percent and that seems a bit bravado the wrestling is always going to flatline pun intended with edp these days the guy's over 40 and now he's really starting to look it. the 70 percent dropped quite a lot in this one maybe came up a little bit in the next match but dropped a bit here which like when he's up against somebody who he probably really wants to try to help get over that 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 is a black mark in my opinion it's maybe it's because he knew he had another match this similar length coming up next and he was trying to conserve energy I don't know maybe if anybody deserves the benefit of the doubt it is DDP but for what we got here in this match from start to finish I wasn't really feeling the effort from him and that is something you can normally put your last point on as we say in a page match the effort wasn't here he probably thought just putting over Canyon was enough and I get it it's a big win for somebody who does deserve one. He's another person who has been arriving for quite a while now, has Chris Canyon. And now it looks like he might have arrived just at the time when the train leaves the station, so to speak. But good win for Canyon, but he could have been given a little more opportunities to show what he could do to get there.
2: I, I mean, in the last several months, Canyon has pay-per-view wins over Booker T, the night Booker won the world title, and now, yes. D, and now DDP. So they're clearly... Like you don't have grand designs on somebody uh, without doing, you know, making those moves. And so there's something, there's something there. There should be, Uh, I thought this match was fine. Um, I I, I don't know. I'm always waiting for that Canyon that everybody tells me is there to show up. And I've, I've rarely seen it, Uh, especially on the big stage. His his matches always tend to be a little bit safe on the big stage. Um, And so when we get to a place where the, he has maximum eyes watching him or at least maximum interested eyes, people that are paying to watch him wrestle as opposed to just passively on a Monday. He doesn't really bring it. And so I'm, st- I'm just waiting for him to bring it before I make the judgment because that uh, people whose opinion I trust, like you Rory tell me that he's great. And I, I just, I don't know. He's, he's great uh, at, uh, he's great at moves, uh, but I have not seen him put a match together that I think, Oh, that it's a great match quite yet. Maybe, maybe we will. Um, And uh, in that uh, fracas, Jeff Jarrett managed to get all the way to the back. And so now Canyon introduces Jeff Jarrett and says the match, if I took this down right, has a two-hour time limit. Yes. Uh, Buckle up, boys. Um, (laughs) Spoiler alert, it doesn't go two hours. Uh, Double J hammers DDP, and they brawl to the outside and into the crowd, uh, back ringside, and they scale the announce table for something or other. Uh, Jarrett throws DDP off the table into Shivani, and uh, Shivani getting physical is not something that I can remember really ever seeing. Um, Jarrett goes to work on DDP, so let's get some heat. Sleeper Hold puts DDP down, but he's not out. He fires up and hits a DDT to put Jeff down. A belly-to-back suplex gets DDP a two, and then a belly-to-belly gets another two. DDP covers Jeff uh, with the top of his head to let Canyon pull DDP out. I mean, come on, DDP. Uh be a little less overt than that uh, in the chaos jeff clocks ddp with the chair and in the ring ddp kicks out at 2.9 uh, i've written here there's ballyhoo and jeff accidentally hits canyon with a guitar which lets ddp get the cutter on jeff for the three ddp over jeff jarrett in 8:30. 30 uh, rory we'll come to you first on this one
3: something something aren't all jeff jarrett matches two hours long anyway something something once again, very low-hanging fruit in today's edition. We're 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 not really exerting ourselves, but then nobody else is, so we're allowed. Yeah, another eight and a half Jeff Jarrett minute, Jeff, Jeff Jarrett minute match. I wish it was a minute match. Eight and a half minute Jeff Jarrett match. There we go. Jeff and, Jarrett
2: minute. Wait, we might be onto something here. Jeff Jarrett minutes might be a completely new time metric that we need to factor in.
3: <laughs> it does feel like it, yeah. Uh, not to be measured in Earth time. I'm yes. Jeff Jarrett is another person who. If you come to these shows for impartiality, on I'm probably not your man. He's in the he's in the Shane Douglas tier, I'm afraid, and we all know what that means. But oh, what is it with Jared? I'm, oh, I sh- I don't want to be willing for the end of world championship wrestling. I really don't. <laughs> it's affecting so many people's livelihoods. We've been thrown on the unemployment. I do not want to consider that. Everybody from upper management to the cleaners at the Venues they hire every week will be affected. And we'll be wondering where their next paycheck is coming from. I wouldn't wish that on anybody. And you know there's a but coming. But it might mean no more Jeff Jarrett matches. There's, I think his bridges have been long since reduced to ash. 2,000 miles up the road. So I don't think we'll be seeing him there in a few weeks time. Although chance will be a fine thing. This was a match where I thought DDP had to bring a little more. And he did. So... Maybe my criticisms in the previous one were slightly misplaced. Otherwise, it was every other match you've seen involved well, Double J in your life, right down to the old Elkabong going wrong. And this is even a pay-per-view you're going to give a free pass to like I am. I still I need to be a little critical. You've got to expect a little bit more from your semi main events, haven't you? Haven't you?
4: Haven't we, Pete? I mean, you mentioned low-hanging fruits, uh, Rory. I'm not sure this was plumbing new depths, but, um, yeah, we'll leave that there. Um, very good. Oh, thank, you very, thank you very much. I um, say,
3: well, 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 Eric and I might be resting on our laurels, but Pete, that's oh, <laughs> big guns being brought out I didn't, here. I didn't
4: even write it down either. anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think a bit like some of the matches tonight, you were just waiting for the shenanigans. I think you mentioned Ballyhoo. Uh, eric their shenanigans to happen and a guitar to be wielded and someone to be hit and then potentially the person who wasn't hit losing the match and obviously that's what happened here very standard stuff i think ddp did clearly have something left in the tank um hence probably why him and canyon were the way they were in that that previous match 1a before we got to the other this one yeah, it's just. I mean, I, I was a massive DDP fan. You're right, Roy. 1997. I think the guy could do no wrong. He was a crowd absolute favourite, and I think as time's gone on, it's, I don't think the crowd dislike uh, Page. I just think it's just a little bit. You know, he's getting a bit older. The are getting a bit older. He's probably getting a little bit. You know, what have I got here? I've got Jeff Jarrett to get myself you know involved with was only going to end one way with a guitar shot to somebody and then at least he got to beat jeff jarrett so at least he can hang that on his hat when he goes backstage and gives kevin nash his special handshake um yeah just for a semi main event though it's just it was just I don't know, classic wcw um and that's that's the sad thing about that isn't it it just it doesn't really do a lot for anybody Jarrett shouldn't even be in semi-main events at this point. I don't know what he offers, the chosen one, but, you know, he had his affiliation has long but gone. I think him and Steiner as well. That seems to be sort of over for the time being. So, yeah, just classic Jarrett, which is basically nothing.
2: Oh, that's cruel. This is the same building where he had the best match of his career with Shawn Michaels, like, five, six years ago. Um, no, I... I I think if you're going to tell me that you've got DDP versus Jeff Jarrett in an eight minute match on pay-per-view, this is exactly what I would think it would be. Um, so on that metric, it's, you know, they did about what I would expect them to do. Um, and I don't, has Jeff Jarrett had a match with a clean finish in like three years? So, um, you know, I think all things considered, this is the match that they could have had and you put them here and they've had that match. It's, it's not a match that I think should be a semi-main on a pay-per-view, uh, but really, when you consider the relative thinness of the top, top of the WCW card right now with guys like Goldberg and Sting, and at this point, Booker T hadn't come back, and that list of guys that Bischoff is apparently saving, I, I don't know, at a certain point, somebody's got to be in the slot, and DDP's been a world champ, Jeff's been a world champ, what are you going to do? It was fine. Um, But I agree. Uh, Double J needs to slide down that card uh, in order to, I think, restore the balance uh, of things if he's going to stick around after the relaunch. And it's main event time. Uh, This is a lot of parentheses here in my notes. Uh, Scott Steiner, uh, the world champion uh, with Medeja and ultimately with Ric Flair uh, versus Kevin Nash in a uh, ultimately two out of three falls Loser leaves WCW match for the World Heavyweight Championship. So that's three gimmicks in one match. Um, Nash and Flair have been making each other's lives miserable on Nitro to catch us up. And Nash is coming into this match uh, having taken a piping to the knee from Scott Steiner. It's Flair out first, and he's going to be with the announcers for this match. And Scott Steiner hilariously kicks Michael Buffer, who looks and should be terrified out of the ring and Scott runs down his hit list and they show this Sid thing again, which is just what we were all hoping to see. And they talk for a long time. And eventually Ric Flair is in the ring and announces this as a loser leaves WCW match. Nash's music then hits and Nash is wheeled down by two orderlies in a wheelchair, but it's a swerve. Nash emerges and clocks Scott with the belt. The ref rings the bell and Nash gets the 1-2-3, and Ric Flair is apoplectic. And it's clear that this is going to be the dustiest of dusty finishes because Rick then announces it's a two-out-of-three falls match, so it's a modified dusty. In the back, DDP comes to help Nash and is ambushed by Totally Buffed. Knees in the corner, and Nash goes to work on Steiner. Scott does sell like death for Nash. On the distraction, though, Scott nails Nash with the pipe, Scott can't get Nash into the ring, though. This is outside of the ring, so Ric Flair then announces it's Falls Count Anywhere. So let's add that to the list of gimmicks as well. Rick is the MVP here. He's an unhinged lunatic. And Scott gets the second fall on the floor to even things up at 1-1. to Uh, Scott then, in the ring, nails a lovely belly-to-belly on Nash. Scott gets a two with elbows, but he breaks the pin to do push-ups. Nash fires up and nails the sidewalk slam uh tony uh shivani here uh in all credit seems to be the most energized he's been in a long time and i feel like he's feeding off of rick flair's energy uh rick gives scott a chair and scott drills nash uh, steiner recliner but nash hooks up and throws scott directly on his head rick is breathing so heavily into the headset at this point it's hilarious nash hits a choke slam for a two madeja still around here takes out the ref late in a botched spot and they reset for nash to pull the straps down. Medeja then hits her cue and sees Nash hit the sidewalk slam on Medeja. See you later.
1: One man will win the ultimate prize. The other is going to be in the bread line tomorrow morning. Look at this. Referee down, a woman down, blood on the mat, a chair, a lead pipe. Oh, no. No! Did he have the nuts in his hand that time? He may have. I don't know. But he will not again. Oh, man! right that's across the top be of the it. It. That's got to be it. Oh, my God. Referee Mark Johnson in there. On oh, second referee. Another uh, the lifeless body is up. He can pin the man after that chair shot. Oh, my God. No. He's going to kill not, him. Do not let it oh, in this no. Way. Not the career of Kevin Knack. He spent too much in his company, Kevin. Kevin. He cannot. know oh, it's No.
0: That's,
1: yes. That's, that's it. Like that, it's over. Kevin Nash's career is over at the hands of this. God, it's a flashback to Sin and what happened to Goldberg. Oh, this sucks. And I'm sorry I said that.
2: Then Rick takes out the ref, so Nash grabs Rick. Scott hits a low blow. Rick slides a chair in the ring. Scott gets it. Grand slam chair shot to the Nash, and the new ref calls it off for Steiner in the recliner. The crowd is deflated i'll insert the audio in the show tony shivani this sucks
4: pete your thoughts <laughs> oh god you came to me first um i thought the bit at the beginning when steiner was bragging about everyone that he's sort of kicked out or beaten up and then to take the credit for doing that to sid when the replay they kept overplaying and overplaying was did sid landing on his leg and breaking it Nothing to do with Scott Steiner at all it was quite funny to begin, but while we had to see that over and over again again was just ridiculous to begin a main event of your pay per view. That was that was crazy. Um, I am a massive Ric Flair fan, and I make no no uh, qualms about that. And I think oh, you're right; he was the MVP of this entire match. It reminded me a little bit of Bobby Heenan on commentary on the '92 Rumble, where. He's living and breathing everything that's going on, so he's almost playing that the role of um, the commentator when obviously Flair's in the ring for the Rumble, a bit like Steiner, but unlike Bobby Heenan, he can change the stipulations as he goes along to suit Steiner, which I guess was a bit different. I'm not going to say creative because it's a WCW main event, but it was a little bit different, and Sit and um, Flair just plays it off so well, and that unhinged, absolute nutcase. That, that he plays is, is is perfect in this. But I think my, my main takeaway was, you know, Scott Stein has been built as this, you know, unhinged, hard-ass who can beat the shit out of everybody. But it took Flair, medasia you know, the pipe, chair shots, referees, totally buff, and all sorts just for him to win against Kevin Nash. It just made Scott just look... Like he needed that help to beat, you know, Kevin Nash. You know, I just thought I couldn't believe that the match was going to be over after 17 seconds. And clearly, I'm almost glad it wasn't. But then what was to follow? Just it was a classic WCW overbooked main event. But at least we had flair with his his part to play in all of it, which kept it entertaining enough. that we had a false count anywhere stipulation added when they couldn't. Getting back in the ring, we had the two out of three falls, we had all the interference under the sun just to get to the finish. So yeah, there was there was enough going on, but it was just another one of those WCW main events, yet again, that we could just can't have, you know, Steiner going over strong against Nash, or Nash just winning, and that being the new creative direction potentially they're going in, and flares up against it. And but we just had to have all that go on, and Steiner comes out of it looking you know, a bit bloody and looking probably a little bit weak. Dare I say, of all the help he had, so it didn't surprise me what was going on. Um, it was what it was. It didn't last forever, thank God, um, but it was a, a weak, weak way to end a fairly decent show.
2: Rory, isn't there something to be said about? heat is fine until the baby face has absolutely no chance to win. And then it just turns the crowd off. Or, or am I looking too far into an ultimately meaningless main event?
3: No, not at all. There is such a thing as bad heat. And when this show went off the air Tony Schiavone said that it sucked you know, from the mouths of babes and all that. Yeah. This was that sort of heat at the end. And they certainly got it from me. I mean, They pushed my loyalties too far in these final 15 minutes. Okay, first off, I'm pretty sure that people are now just trying to rub it in with me. On the WWF show last month, I was reminded by Dan Welling that it didn't win Match of the Year in 1998. And now the next month here on WCW, they then do their own version of the Over the Edge 1998 main event. Yes, okay. Rock Triple H won Match of the Year in 98 are you happy now stop reminding me of that okay i'm not salty about it this isn't a bob bamba 96 scott hall situation (laughs) okay even in defeat and supposedly sending him off on his haunches forever we can only hope kevin nash gets to be the coolest and smartest guy in the room he's the one who feigns an injury he's the one who gets a belt shot right at the very start He's the one who somehow has the referee on side just to ring the bell after that and start the count and to win in 20 seconds. And the only way he ends up not winning the title is it being made on the fly. A two out of three falls match, which one of those is a false count anywhere fall, And the second one of this, when it takes Steiner, Flair, Medasia, a second ref, the 82nd Airborne, Uncle Tom Cobbley and all to get him into the position for the recliner. And even then, of course, he doesn't actually give Steiner the courtesy of tapping out on his way back to the showers. Oh no, I'm sure Nash could have done if it hadn't been for those pesky kids. And that, again, for those new listeners, I do have a list and Jeff Jarrett and Shane Douglas and Triple H and Kevin Nash all fall into that category. At least one of those manages to just about keep his head above water with me by his in-ring work. Can you work out which one of those it is? Anyway, it's not Kevin Nash, by the way. And the match bumbled along. Pete is right about Ric Flair's uh, Royal Rumble 92 tribute. He must have been listening very closely during that match. Maybe Heenan gave him a few pointers when he was taking a break after Bossman was eliminated. And he just waited nine years when he could use them himself. Yeah, Flair was excellent here. I do think we need to give Flair... A little bit of credit because at least this is something we know about with Ric Flair The allegations as dreadful as they are aside this is what he was paid for on this occasion and he did come through but there's very little to say about the match because it's just a freaking Kevin Nash show and that particular programming is the reason why WCW is in the mess it is and we're getting Another version of it now, when in a month's time the company might not even exist, and I would have no doubt in my mind whatsoever saying that Big Kev himself put this idea forward, and Johnny Ace was only so happy, only only just only too happy to flutter his eyelashes and say, "Yes sir, no sir, three bags full, Kev sir," and we talk about all the names that Bishop wants Hogan and bringing him back Goldberg etc etc as long as Kevin Nash is sniffing around and make no mistake he hasn't retired sorry everybody it's the truth hurts and all that he'll be back front and center in April because of course he will be and is nobody is nobody taking notes on this those who do not learn the mistakes of history are doomed to repeat them
2: Yeah, I think I think you can do a match like this uh, if it's Vince McMahon and Steve Austin in 1998, um, where you know that the larger story will culminate because you have a historically uh, a company that pays off its its storylines generally, especially in the main event uh, in in fan friendly ways. And so you can have Vince McMahon screw Steve Austin out of the belt, put him up against Undertaker and Kane, et cetera, et cetera, um, with the full knowledge and understanding that at some point Steve Austin is going to hit a stunner on mcmahon and win the title back but here i don't understand what the you know if you're going to get this much heat on nash and you're going to put him up against like a heel company he's not steve austin and rick flair for everything he is is not vince mcmahon the authority figure um and so i don't think you can run this angle with these guys i think this is sloppy um and it did kind of put a damper on an otherwise good show for all the reasons that both of you uh put forth the other thing is like you're at a point in WCW now where you just need to have hot stars and you need to have strong champions. And if Kevin Nash is going to require all this hoopla in order to take the L, just don't put him up against Steiner, put Steiner up against DDP and let Steiner win clean in 15 minutes or something, you know, let Steiner look strong and then put the Nash thing off until the sale is finalized. Like you don't have to be burning through these matches right now. Uh, It hurts Steiner. Certainly. I think Pete, you mentioned that, And and Nash here just looks like the cool heel. So I think Ric Flair did everything he could to salvage what he probably knew was bad creative. And, you know, uh, props to him for doing it. But I agree with everybody here. This was just an overbooked mess that did nobody any favors uh, by the end of it because Nash loses. Steiner looks like he needs the 82nd Airborne uh, to beat him. And, you know, Ric Flair looks like a chump caught caught in the middle. So uh, kind of a cloudy end to an otherwise you know at least partly cloudy if not mostly sunny show um, Rory I'll turn it over to you your quick summarizing thoughts and a score rating out of 10 please
3: yeah as has been the case for the last five months it's the matches we actually talk about that end up dragging things down well in the main events and has been for a good three or four years again those who do not learn a lot like you know it because of that I'm going to drop this down from the gentleman's six that I wanted to give it, but only just solid five and a half for me enough on the undercard enough promise. And we all know what promise does from the right people. I just hope that the real right people were watching enough variety crowd relatively engaged, decent enough booking until you got to the main events and it's just another one marked off on the wall really (laughs) not not that wall (laughs) the wall that we've all been staring at for the last five months hopefully we'll be able to look somewhere else next month and we can really just get down to business of doing wcw pay-per-views properly because we're all safe in the knowledge the company is going to exist to be able to hold them but what we got here again another easy watch because in the the way that the wheels turning it's just two hours, 40 minutes of pro wrestling on television. The stuff that we give you on this show is arguably the most important at this point. But if you just want to watch a wrestling pay-per-view without too many airs and graces attached, then you can indeed do worse than this. Five and a half out of ten for Super Brawl Revenge.
4: Pete, to you. Yeah, it wasn't a, an offensive watch. It was a, an easy sit down. You can, you know get get involved in it, you can enjoy it. There was enough variety there. But when do you think we would ever or will we ever see the final three matches pull up the undercard? Because every time we talk about the recent WCW pay-per-views, we get, you know, through the card towards the end and we're quite, you know, it's just got along quite well. There's been some good good matches, some good performances, decent angles, some storyline work. Then we get to the semi main event plus one, plus two, then the main event. And it just falls off a cliff and that's where we end up in this four, five, six scenario, don't we, for these these shows. And it's this. I just hope one day that we'll have a really poor undercard in effect or a standard, an absolute standout main event or semi-main event that's actually gonna elevate and do something. But for all those reasons, I'm I'm around that five mark again. Um, there was plenty here to enjoy. There was plenty here to go, yeah, we've been here before. It's unsurprising, it's not shocking. It's a bit frustrating, obviously, um, but I've also give a lot of credit to the guys in the situation they're probably in and all the uncertainty that's going on. This was a this was an OK show, all things considered. But it's the same story that's been going on and on and on, you know, the overbooking. The so can, can no one just be a clear winner and go over? And As you say, there's your star. There's the guy to hang your hat on. If you're going to sell a company, you know, Steiner is our man. You know, he, he's the man we're looking to, to do. If you want to go and then get to Nash, get to Nash at some point down the road. When you're in this shop window, you know, he's the guy who's, who's carried it quite well recently. You know, and he, he, there's enough about him to carry it. And they just, they just fail to do it every time. That's why I'll score it a five.
2: Yeah, I'm right with you guys. Five, five and a half. Uh, I don't think it really matters. Uh, just for posterity purposes, I'll say... Uh, Five and a half because I feel like this show was equal to or greater than last month's show, which I think that was the same grade I gave it to. Uh, But I think the main event, uh, you know, last month can be given a little bit of a pass with what happened to Sid and the quality of the viewing doesn't, you know, shouldn't uh, is what we grade here and how WCW handled the Sid situation is kind of outside of all of that. So I think they get a pass for that. Plus we had Ming and Terry Funk last month and no Ming or Terry Funk this month, which uh, brings this month down a little bit. But I think you can put these last two shows together and think, yeah, WCW is putting together two and a half, two hours and 45 minute long wrestling shows that you buy and you're not disappointed that you paid money for. And after the last couple of years, I think that's a you know, pretty decent bar for WCW to clear. Five and a half for me as well. And we park the time machine and get out and emerge, stretch our legs. Uh, And uh, at this point, I would like to uh, talk about March a a little bit, and we're out of time machine mode. I'm not going to tell you exactly what we're going to be doing, but I will guarantee the listener here and Rory can vouch that we plan to have a comprehensive uh, breakdown of all of the events uh, going on in March. And you as the listener probably know at least to some degree what we're talking about. Uh, And we will be giving minute, uh, in some instances, minute by minute details of the events in pro wrestling in March of 2001. And then we'll culminate that month and begin April in this new odyssey that we'll all be on with this show, with a a show, I'll call it a special show, that will stand to live in the pantheon of the Montreal show and the Owen Hart tribute show that we've done here as, you know, one of the... Medal winning uh, shows that we uh, are going to do. It's going to be a very interesting March, very fun, lots of content here. Um, it, we're all headed, uh, we know where, and we plan to be with you every step, every minute of the way. Rory, is there anything you'd like to add to my vague but not too vague uh, preview for March?
3: Tantalizing. It's almost as if I don't know myself when I'm desperate to find out. Yes, I'm actually looking at my notepad because we had a chat a couple of weeks ago everybody uh, all the hosts for these shows about how we were going to tackle march and it got serious after 10 minutes when i told the guys everybody i'm opening up opening up notepad on my laptop that's when s gets real and i'm looking at my notes now what we're going to be doing for the march shows three big volumes coming your way everybody and ever since this project started nearly eight years ago now I mean, I came along two years after that. All of us came along at the time as we did. We all knew what our destination was going to be, but it seemed a very, very long way away. And now here we are. Our next set of shows will be, quite simply, March 2001. And we want to make sure we cover it in the de- most in-depth detail we can and to keep it as interesting as we possibly can. This is quite a responsibility for us, I Don't mind saying, because this is where time machine mode really does come into its own. We know as well as anybody, there have been many podcasts over the last 10, 15 years or so that will have looked at March 2001 in pro wrestling to be euphemistic about it. But I would wager none of them have done so in real time. if Everything was unfurling before their very eyes. That is the task. And it is a hefty one. Make no mistake. But I know that myself, I'd like to think definitely Eric, Chris and Chris. We've got it all in hand for you. And we cannot wait for you to hear that programming throughout March. And following that, hopefully on April the 1st itself, fingers crossed, the 20 year anniversary, a special show dedicated solely and purely to WrestleMania 17 is coming your way. Very, very exciting times. And we hope you remain a part of it. We're really excited by it. And we hope you are, too. We're going to make it worth everybody's while, I assure you.
2: And now that we've dropped all of that information, we'll leave you, the listener, uh, ready to go to join us in March. But first, let's close the book on February 2001. Uh, Pete Kimber, thanks for joining us on this uh, several month long odyssey. Uh, anything you'd like to plug and anything you'd like to say, sir?
4: No, um, thanks a lot again, guys, for, for having me on with WCW at this critical time. It's been uh it's been hard to think what's what's going to happen and what's happening now, but it's been been great to be on board and, and seeing out this uh, quite troubling time in, in wrestling history, but at the same time, very interesting. And I'm looking forward to what March has got to bring as a, as a listener myself. So, yeah, can't wait for that. Um, in terms of myself, you can find me on Twitter, at PKimber1. Uh, talk about all sorts of stuff on there, bits and bobs, wrestling, football, yada, yada, yada. Um, but, yeah, just... Guys, just if you're listening to this show, you've got to be there ready for March and April. It sounds like it's going to be uh, uh, an amazing month in, uh, in this podcast history. So, yeah, can't wait for it.
2: And certainly, Rory, any casual listener of this fan will know who you are. But tell us what else you do.
3: Yes, in addition to this podcast, you can hear me on the Place to Be Nation Wrestling Network. A couple of monthly shows there. I've got Out of Timeline Mode. The shackles are off during that. The Special Relations is a show I do with Mr. Ben Lock and Mr. Callum McDougall, which is sort of a look at modern day wrestling. We do a little bit of retro stuff as well, talking about whatever takes our fancy for a couple of hours, really. For example, we discuss the very controversial, in some quarters, edition of the Broken Skull Sessions on the WWE Network with Sasha Banks. Some interesting views on that one. Do check that one out. And I also do a show on the Place of the Nation Network called Seen Your Video where me and a guest will go through anything really we can find or want to talk about at least on the home video classics section of the WWE Network uh, for as long as that still exists uh, most recent show as this one goes out uh, looking with Sean Kidd at the Heart Foundation tape from 1987 and if you ever want to join me on that show anybody do get in touch at Wrestling20YRS on the Twitter anything you want to come back on read this show you want to be a guest in the future want to take us to task on our or rather my views on Jeff Jarrett or Shane Douglas or Kevin Nash or especially Triple H then you know where to find me But everybody at yeah, wrestling 20 years ago podcast is of course our bread and butter and when this show is done I'm going to go back to preparing for March
2: and uh, I am Eric Landstrom on Twitter at modern day lawyer and you can find the show on Twitter at wrestling 20 Y R S and for Peter Kimber, and for Rory McNamara, I am Eric Landstrom, and until March, we're going to gas up the time machine, because it's going to be a bumpy ride. Goodbye.